0: Good morning, Bridge. Are you guys warm on this, uh, warm in the house this morning? But, but it's awesome to be in the house of the Lord and uh, to speak to you this morning. I believe God's given me a word for, for this morning, and uh, we're just going to go before him today and just uh, listen to what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear today. Um, this morning, we're we'll going to continue our series, Pursuing God. We are uh, on day seven of our 14 days of prayer and fasting and I, and I hope you are drawing close to God and seeking God during this time. And it's just a tremendous opportunity we have to go before the Lord. And, and like Pastor Paul was saying, if the purpose of fasting is really going without food and replacing that with prayer or with communicating with God, the drawing near to Him. And I encourage you to do that. We have seven days left. Uh, ask the Lord what... what, 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 what are you going to do what? What, ha, what has he want for you? And so we're going to uh, continue with that. I uh, do want to celebrate though what God did last week. Uh, last week we had our youth and our kids. They were doing uh, different events. Our kids had a, the unique kids ministry. were are here. And um, it was uh, Dan and Mariah Ball, they were here. And they just ministered to our kids. And we had two uh, decisions that made the best decision ever to give their lives to Jesus. And so that was amazing over the weekend. Yeah, give give it to the Lord. Awesome. And, and kids were able to experience the altar for the first time and begin to pray, and, and parents were able to pray with them as well. It was a tremendous opportunity uh, to see God move and the Holy Spirit move. And we had our teenagers go off to our winter retreat at Philip Journal Conference Center, and God met with them as well. I think we had some stats from Pastor J- Jacob that, uh, that came back from the winter retreat. So 19 students uh, c- committed to setting aside more time for prayer. Uh, seven students feel called, up, called to join and serve at Bridge. That's amazing. Six students uh, make a commitment to join an online Bible reading plan, and six students asking for their own Bible to study on their own. Isn't that amazing? Can we give God some praise? Amen. God's moving in our youth and our kids. Be praying for them, church, Don't, in your prayers. They need it, they're facing a world that's different than ours. And uh, the enemy would love to snuff them out and, 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 and get rid of this next generation. But Lord, I pray that you hold them up in prayer and believe for them and ask God to do some amazing work because God has a mission for them just as he has a mission for us. They're supposed to carry the torch, right? And they're supposed to bring in, bring in God's will and God's purpose and God's glory. And so be praying for them. And so, uh, but but fasting and prayer, you know, throughout the Bible, God's people regularly took time to pray and fast in order to grow closer to Him and experience breakthroughs in specific areas. Um, we are focusing on one of our core values at Bridge, and that, and that is devotion to prayer. And Paul mentioned it last week, Pastor Paul, uh, but we believe prayer strengthens and deepens our relationship with God and invites His presence and His power. I believe we have that, I don't know if we have that slide, but... Uh, Jeremiah says, uh, You will seek me and find me when you seek with me with all your heart. That is Jeremiah 29, 13. So I want to read again. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And that's what we do when we, when we fast and we pray. We seek after God. We, we go after him. And we, we just connect with, with our creator. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Paul talked about three reasons why we fast. Uh, the first one was wisdom to know to know God and his will. And the second one was intervention. Our, to demonstrate our need for God. And the third one is empowerment. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so last week, Pastor Ball talked about pursuing wisdom and, and talked about that, that topic. This week, I'm going to go and talk about intervention and our need for God. And um, the, great, the great church father, St. Augustine, said, Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. And so the title of my message today is Help God, I Have a Mountain, okay? See, there's divine partnership God has given us. He has given us the ability to pray and to fast for God's will to be done in our lives and throughout the earth. Uh, Matthew 6, 9, and 10 says, This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying, we're praying his, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And maybe you're facing some hard times and you need God to intervene on your behalf. I would encourage you to continue to seek after God. God is able, church. He's able. Let's seek and intervene and go after God. Luke 1.37 in the King James Version says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. God can do anything. He is great. He's just talking about how great he is. He's, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. That is his character. That's who he is. No, he can do anything. So let's not sometimes limit and put him in a box and say, God, you can't do that. Listen, God can do anything. Usually, uh, usually though, there are many people that only start to pray and fast when there is a crisis. Sometimes, um, and maybe you've prayed this prayer before. I have in, in my past. It's that, that prayer of desperation. You've been there. so said, dear God, if you get me out of this, I'll do whatever you ask of me. Um, who, who said that prayer before? Nobody? Maybe at, when you're in school with a test, you never studied? Or you're just in a bind, and you, just, you know you've blown it. You didn't prepare, and you're like, okay, God, like, if you only get me out of this, you only do this for me. I'll do anything you want. You know, I've been there before. You know, this life will bring trials and tribulations and you will need God every step of the way to get you through this life. Trust me, you need the Lord. I faced a couple, I actually faced a trial a couple weeks ago, Uh, right before Christmas, I got sick. And I know there's sickness going around. And we're praying for you if you're ill or, or, you know, if you're watching online, because you're ill, we're praying for you that you get better. But I had a fever and I had this upper respiratory illness going on. And I was just, like, miserable. Like, I was just, I was moaning. I was complaining. uh, I was just being a big baby. And I don't know about you, uh, sometimes men are big babies when they're sick. Sometimes. Sometimes, yes. I I can get like that, you know, I can get like a big baby, and uh, so I was moaning and complaining so everyone could hear me, and um, I don't know if that's any of men out there, I'm just like you said, Um, but as the evening went on, I kept, you know, kept that attitude up, I felt like the Holy Spirit was just tired of it, all right, he was tired of me playing the victim and not having faith. I felt like he was speaking to me and saying to to me, stop whining and start to pray. You know better. He's telling me, you know better. You have faith in me and my word. Now start using it. Start using it. So I began to pray and I began to worship and and faith began to rise in my heart for healing. Uh, You know, sometimes it's hard to believe for yourself. It's easier to believe for someone else. But, you know, the Lord said, you know, begin to pray for you. So, listen, I started to pray. I started to get in a time of worship. And you know what? I didn't get healed right away. It, but you know what? My attitude changed. I had an attitude of faith. And I didn't complain. I started to praise. I started to worship. I was, at, I was now in that place of faith. And that night, I slowly felt better. And the next day, my fever broke. And I was on the road to recovery. But it didn't happen right away, but my faith changed. And sometimes in our life, we need to, to refocus and transition, you know, stop complaining but to pray. Start to believe that God is, is great. God's, start to believe that God is a healer and He, he desires to, to move in our lives. You know, God has given us one of the greatest tools we can use to help us in, to, in our time of need. And that's that when we pray in faith. You know, that's when we pray in faith, you know, and to believe. You know, we have a faith that God has given us. We need to use it. We need to use it. The enemy comes with doubt and unbelief, but we can move mountains with our prayers. Jesus said that. In the gospel, Jesus talks about uh, the, the smallest seed, the mustard seed, one of them. You know, if you have faith like that, it can move mountains. And it says that in Mark 11, uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, 24. We're going to read it. It says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart. But believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, everyone say prayer? prayer. Believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Incurring the words of Jesus, we must have faith to believe that when we speak to the mountains in our lives, they will be moved. It's that prayer of faith. Jesus in this passage may not be referring to the moving literal mountains. With our bare hands, it's, it's not really talking really about that, but, but to be using our faith to move huge obstacles and circumstances in our lives that seem to impossible to overcome. Have you ever experienced difficult mountain like uh, situations in your life? Anyone here have? All right, I'm sure all of us have faced a mountain like that in our lives. Um, no matter how impossible our cir- circumstances may seem to us, we can trust that God is in control of our lives. It's that trust factor. When we hold on to a small ounce of faith, even as small as a mustard seed, we leave room for the power of God to perform mountain-moving miracles in our lives. We need to have faith. Our prayers offered in faith don't have to be granted in order to move a mountain. They don't. All we need to sow seeds of prayer with mustard seed faith. Will we be a people who call on the name of the Lord in the midst of the chaos in our world? Maybe God is not only calling you to pray, but to fast and draw close to God as you face your mountain. You are not alone. There are many examples in the Bible. Some of, them, we, some of them are David, he fasted for his sick child. Esther fasted for the safety for her people in the face of extermination. Paul fasted after his conversion, and Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. The goal is, though, when we fast, we take that time to pray. To draw close to the Lord. This morning I'm going to show you three ways on how you can pray as you believe for your mountains to be moved. The first way is humble yourself, number one. The second is be persistent. And the third one is to get vocal. To get vocal. And I'm just going to prepare you because I feel, feel the Holy Spirit is going to draw us in this service this morning. There's going to be a time of prayer at the end of the service. And I just wanted you to listen to the Holy Spirit and maybe God's calling you forward to pray and to intercede this morning on maybe your mountain in your life or maybe you're going through. And so I'm just gonna prepare you that at the end, we're gonna provide that opportunity for you to pray. Let's start with the first one. Humble yourself, humble yourself. Being humble for most people brings to mind a form of weakness. The world believes it's the weak one who is humble and is dependent on somebody else. Why do you suppose the Bible has so much to say about being humble? Maybe we've got it all wrong, and the one who practices humility is actually the strong one. First Peter five six to seven says this: "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. God cares for us. He is a mighty God. He calls us to humble ourselves under Him." Not because he is a controlling God that wants you to bow down to him because you are nothing, but rather because he wants to exalt us and care for us. As we humble ourselves, that is when we truly worship him. We are trusting him, we're trusting in the Lord with what's going on in our lives and believing he is the provider instead of ourselves. Pride keeps us, though, from humbling ourselves. And and, and, and really, it tells us that, you know what? We don't need you, God. We, We got this. We got this. Pride says we don't need anybody. Pride says we don't want anyone to know about anything. Pride hinders. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. For many here, when was the last time you humbled yourselves before God? Or has pride maybe gotten in the way? God makes a promise to Israel in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. He says this: If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Listen. Even though this was said to Israel, I believe this can still apply to God's people today. I remember a time when I got so desperate for God to move in my life. Well, my marriage, it was not good. It was the beginning of my marriage. And Ali and I faced a huge mountain. And we couldn't overcome it on our own. And then I was at the point where I just did, I couldn't go on any longer. I just, I felt like I didn't know what to do. I was like, you, you face that mountain, you just keep running into it, and you keep running into it, and you keep running into it. And I, so something had to change. I was at a church service, and I remember going, humbling myself and, and going to the altar. And I humble myself before God. And I give God everything because sometimes we run out of options on our own. Jesus is truly the answer. He is the one who can make things happen. I was desperate for God. I remember that at, at a, as a, a turning point later that year, you know, I said, you know, basically I, w- I sought after God and we were, we were believing. We were praying. And, it was a, and it began to, things began to change, all right? And it didn't happen at that moment. But that moment when I began humbled myself, began to pray, it became a turning point in my life, became a turning point in faith. And, and soon things improved. Soon we had breakthrough in our lives. But it didn't happen right away. But, it, but when we humble ourselves, we give it to the Lord, God takes it, and he can do something with it. It wasn't quick, but God did it. God did what we believe was a miracle. Have you ever been in a place like that before? The place of desperation? I have. And God calls us to come to Him. Maybe you're in that place now. Maybe now is the time to humble yourselves before God in prayer and let God take over. Let God take over. The second way and how you can pray is this. It goes a long line. We could be humble. We could also be persistent. We could be persistent. Listen, we live in a fast food, on-demand culture where we want to see results right away. We get upset if we have to, to wait long in a drive-thru, through. right? I don't know about you, but God's still working on my patience on different things. So, or when the two-day Amazon Prime shipping gets delayed, it takes like three or four days. Who's been there with me on that one? (laughs) You're waiting for it to come, and you're like, "It's been delayed. It's been delayed." I know that's not any of you, but just maybe me. (laughs) Um, Listen, we get conditioned in our church, and our—I mean, sorry—we get conditioned in our culture to expect results right away. It's not going to get any better. All right. As we move in the future, we now have AI and we have Chat GPT that we can go. We can just go right on that app and it'll it'll spit something out for us immediately, whether it's a story or uh, whatever it may be, information. Um, we can get the answer in seconds. It's unbelievable. I hate to bust your bubble, but 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 answers to prayer for me at least don't usually happen instantly. It's usually a process. I'm not saying God doesn't answer prayer right away. He does at times. Miracles, healings, breakthroughs do happen. God is a God of the suddenness. God does show up in power and does show off uh, when we seek after him. We should never stop believing for God to do it now, though. We can believe for that. Have faith and believe. Just just don't get disappointed when things don't happen right away on, on your own timeline. It might not be his time or his will to do it now. We need, to, we need to learn to be persistent in our prayers. There's a, there's a word that we need to be. We need to be steadfast. Steadfast. Colossians 4.2 says this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. To be, fed, uh, to be steadfast is to be resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. The, NFI, the NIV uses the word devoted. Devoted. Unwavering. There's one example from Scripture that comes to mind when we see a steadfast attitude. and that is with the parable of the persistent widow. And we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 18, verses one to eight. It talks about her persistence, I believe her steadfastness. Uh, starting verse one in Luke chapter 18, it says, "Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray. so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will we keep putting them off? So I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, the Son of Man comes, will he, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus teaches us this in this passage that, that we should always pray and not give up. The Apostle Paul tells us that it is God's will that you pre- actually pray continually. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 18, it says this. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. Everyone say will. God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So don't give up. I heard testimonies of parents praying for their lost children to be saved, and many years later... God answers their prayer, and they come back to the Lord. Sometimes prayers are not answered here on this side of heaven. I mean, they're answered in heaven, all right? They get answered when they go. They're healed when they're whole, and, and sometimes it happens like that. I like this quote. It says this, if you're asking God to move a mountain, don't be surprised if he gives you a shovel. I like this quote because it seems to capture something of our attitudes towards God. Often wanting things to fall into our laps, but don't always want to work for them. God could have, listen, teleported the Israelites from Egypt to the promised land. It was mentioned here earlier in worship from Pastor Paul, but it took 40 years. It took 40 years. But just think how much they learned on the journey. God could have pulled down the walls of Jericho. They didn't have to march around seven times, right? But they did it in faith. They could have rebuilt Jerusalem in an instant, but yet in rebuilding the walls and in the temple with Nehemiah and Ezra, the nation was not only rebuilt, but reconsecrated to the Lord. Remember, God has a purpose in the process. God has a purpose in the process. So be persistent, don't give up. There, be like that persistent widow. Keep going after God. But sometimes we're going to have to seek Him it's just is not going to happen. He's going to give you a shovel and say, hey, it's time to work in prayer. It's time to work fasting. There's actions that we need to do. There's a process as we draw close to the Lord. The Bible also says that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That word earnestly says also there's, there's action involved. Earnestly, we're going after God, we're pursuing him. Sometimes we pray and we like, we want God now. We want it in the fast food culture that we have. We want instant answers, but it's not like that. Sometimes he says, okay, we're going to partner. You're going to pray in faith and you're going to believe and I'm going to move your mountain. God has a purpose in the process. The third and last way on how you could pray is, number three, get vocal. Get vocal. And the first thing you'll say to me is, I don't have to even open my mouth to pray. I can pray silently. Yes, you are right. You can pray silently. You can pray in your heart. We can. Yes, that's true. You're not wrong. But God's given us another opportunity we can do, another way we can pray. Is that when we can pray out loud? We can pray vocally. We need to pray silent and pray to God, but we also need to pray vocally, I believe, That's how we can pray throughout the day. We can pray silently throughout the day. But there are examples in scriptures where people prayed with their mouths. They got vocal. They cried out to the Lord. You can pray out loud. We can do both. It's kind of this double-barrel action that God's given us. We can pray out loud, and we can pray silently in our hearts and our minds. And I'm thankful that I can express my prayers with my voice. I'm not talking about praying out loud to be seen and putting on a show that's what the Pharisees did. And they were hypocrites, and Jesus rebuked them. I'm talking about praying out loud to God in a sincere and, and genuine way. Psalm 88, 1-2 says this: Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I mean, you had children here before, and maybe you have children now, and you have you hear the cries of your baby or your kid, or maybe your kid falls, you hear their cry, right? It's an out loud cry. We have I know all, all of us we have this modern invention called the little baby monitor that we all have that we can bring with us, we put on a nightstand, and as soon as that what that baby monitor goes off, we know that they need us, right? Do we know that there's they need us, whether that be either crying or they need a change or whatever that may be. They need us. So we hear their cries and we respond because we're we're their parents. We love them very much. And I believe that we have the ability to cry out to our God, our Father as well. And then when we cry out, he's going to hear us. He's going to hear us. I'm going to look at 10 biblical examples of praying out out loud to the Lord. And we're going to go. There's a slide here. Uh, number one, the fathers of Israel, and I'm not going to go through all this, these passages for the sake of time, but you can want to look them up later, but the fathers of Israel, they cried out. They, called, they actually called out to the Lord. The children of Israel, they were in bondage in Egypt and cried out to the Lord for deliverance. Moses, he cried out to the Lord for a miraculous assistance in Exodus. Samuel, in 1 Samuel 7, he cried out to the Lord. Uh, the children of God, um, First Chronicles 5, cried out to the Lord in battle. David, in Psalm 138, he called to the Lord. Uh, Jonah, Jonah 2, he, Jonah called and cried out to the Lord. Jesus, uh, Jesus 17, he used his voice with his prayer to the Father. It says he lifted his eyes and said. That means he, sp- he spoke out loud in prayer. He said. The apostles, uh, Acts 4.24, says they raised their voice in one accord. And the last one is Bartimaeus. And I want to focus on that as I close out my message this morning. I found in Mark ten forty six to 62. And I believe that this, this passage, this parable, um, actually not parable, it's this passage about this man, Bartimaeus, who was blind. I believe that Lord wants to speak to you about him this morning. There are, there are people that need to hear his story. Uh, he, confirmed it, he confirmed it with me this week that some of you need to hear this. Maybe you're like blind Bartimaeus this morning. We'll just jump in in Mark chapter 10, verses 46, and we'll talk about him. See, then they came to Jericho. As Jesus' and disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him. And told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He is calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith Has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. See, Bartimaeus, he knew his need. He understood his mountain. He was blind, and that led him to be impoverished, and he became a beggar that was on the side of the road. At one time, someone must have said to another in hearing that Jesus had healed a man who was born blind. He must have got some information that, hypothetically, that, that Jesus could heal his blindness. Maybe it was the man that was healed. Uh, he had a wash in the pool of Siloam and it got home, gone home seeing. Maybe it was him that he heard of. I don't know. But whatever it was, he had faith to believe that Jesus could heal him. He was thinking that if only Jesus would pass by, that became his hope. Maybe today you read this as you I'm sorry, maybe today the season you are in has been so hard, so difficult, so painful. You know your need, and I encourage you to set your hope on Jesus. That he is here. Bartimaeus could have been bitter and he could have been angry about his situation. He could have blamed God, but he didn't. Maybe for the first time in a long time, he had hope. As Jesus was passing by, he had hope. Bartimaeus only had, though, a limited window when Jesus passed by. He did not stay silent. He got vocal. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verses 47 again. This is this. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth... He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He started to shout it out. The Bible says that he cried out. It's not talking about a silent inward cry. It's talking about using your voice with intensity and with passion. Listen, God, we know God's not deaf. Of course not. But there's something to be said about the desire that is on one's heart that translates into urgency and intensity in your voice. He shouted, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There is something to be said about this man's faith. He would not be denied. He demonstrated real faith, faith persisting, even when everyone else around you is resisting. Mark ten forty-eight says this, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. He shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. There's going to be times in your life when people around you just won't understand. They won't understand the mountain that you're going through. They may tell you, be quiet. It's not worth it. Listen, God's not listening. God hasn't done it for me. He he won't do it for you. You'll get that negative. People will, will come and tell you these things. They'll tell you that he doesn't care, that you're important to God. He's not going to hear you. Resist those people. Those aren't people of faith. Can I assure you that if those around you, uh, listen, even the enemy will come and they will whisper those things in your ear to say, you know what? It's not worth it. Don't even pray. Don't even fast. Why? It's not gonna happen. Why do you get up in the morning to pray? Why do you get up, go to church? We have the enemy always in our ear pulling us away from God, telling us lies and keeping us away from what God can do. Remember that the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, what He has come, life, and to give you life more abundantly. I want to encourage you to cry out all the more in your life. If you have of a mountain, if blind Bartimaeus can get the attention of the Lord, then why can't we? Why can't we? Bartimaeus was healed, and his mountain of his blindness was moved in his life because he had faith and got vocal and cried out to Jesus. My question for you is, when was the last time you got vocal and cried out to the Lord? Are you desperate enough like Bartimaeus to cry out? He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, as I close today, I want you to reflect on your relationship with God. How do you pray? Do you ever humble yourself? Or does pride get in the way? Are you persistent in your prayers? Or you give up easily? Do you get vocal and cry out to the Lord? Or, or have you always prayed silently in your heart? As the worship team comes this morning and we close, you may ask, what if my mountain never gets moved? It's a good question. You're saying, man, I've been facing stuff for years. I've been praying, I've been believing. It's nothing happening. I'm going to encourage you to keep praying, keep believing. Don't give up. Don't give up. The Apostle Paul had a thorn that he prayed to go away. I mean, he was the. God's main man and one of the main men in the New Testament who traveled on three missionary journeys, started churches, poured into people, wrote half of the New Testament. And he had a mountain. I consider it a mountain. It's a thorn in his flesh. 2 Corinthians twelve eight to 9 says this. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Like I said, there's purpose in the process. I don't encourage you this morning. God loves you so much. And he has a plan for your life. You may ask, what if my mountain never gets moved? But what happens if it does? Sometimes, like, well, I'm not going to try. Well, what happens if it does? What happens if God's in your prayer and your faith will move your mountain? If you never believed, if you never went before, you never asked. The Bible says, "Ask to be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock on the door, will be open to you." So ask the Lord. Jesus is listening, just like Bartimaeus. He's asking you, "What do you want me to do for you?" That's the. That's what actually, question. He asked Bartimaeus. I'm going to close the service a little different. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward this morning. And um, I'm going to ask you, if you have a mountain in your life, if you need Jesus to do something for you, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and come down to the altar and believe in prayer. Some some of you need to humble yourselves. Maybe you haven't done that. The Lord just wants you to let go and give it all to him. Well, others need to be persistent and not give up. Maybe you need to put legs to your prayers and have people pray with you. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Others need to get vocal and cry out to the Lord. Maybe you need to find a place here at the altar, and you need to cry out to the Lord. The Lord wants to meet you where you're at. And I want to close with one more, one more example. I remember I was dealing with, uh, we had some hard times with our kids. And uh, we had uh, situations where we had, we were just so desperate that we had to get an answer for God. And God provided that answer. But I wanted to see God do work in my children. And I remember uh, there was a church. There was always people here lined up for prayer, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, "I said, you know what? Why don't you go up and get prayer? You believe that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective." And I was like, "Yeah, I do." Then why aren't you having people pray with you? And my answer was basically came down to pride. Want people to see me as a leader of the church? Come down and get prayed for. I don't want people to show my weakness. I didn't want people to know. But that was the lie from the enemy. It kept me from praying for believing in faith. And so what I did was I began to came down every week. I would pray. For my kid, for my, for my child. Every week I would come because I would stand on that scripture. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. If I believed that, that's a verse from Ch- James chapter 5. If I believed that, I truly believed that I would go and get prayer. And I had an opportunity every Sunday to do that where people would love me, would join with me, would lift me up. And I would do that every, every week. And God has continued to do a work. And I encourage you, if you have a need, let us believe for it with you. Don't let pride get in the way of stopping you from getting prayer. If you have a mountain and you want to see it moved, listen, prayer helps. It does. Why not we take advantage of it and give, like I said, God's given us one of the greatest tools that we have. It's a prayer and faith. I'm going to pray and then the worship team is going to play behind me. And if you have a need, come forward. And if you want to find a place as well, you can find a place. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you've given us the gift of prayer and fasting. God, you desire to do a lot of things in our lives. Things we don't see, God, you're always working, you're always moving. Sometimes we don't see it, but Lord, it doesn't mean we can't believe it. Help us to believe for the things in our lives God help us to believe for our mountains to be moved in the name of Jesus Whether it's a financial relational God maybe we're just a mental health maybe I feel that maybe we have so much anxiety there's so much going on in our lives and we're just barely afloat I pray that we come to you you said draw close if we draw close to you we'll draw close to us said, Though, come, those are weary, heavy burdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. Lord, your people need you. I pray, God, that you meet them where they're at. I pray, Jesus, right now that you would restore to them, God, health. God, that you would restore to them the things, God, that they've lost. That you bring healing and wholeness in their lives. Lord, they would surely come before you and, and humble themselves before you and give you those things in their lives that they can't do on their own. God, I pray for to be persistent like the widow, God, who didn't give up. He kept bothering the, the judge. And Lord, I pray we would not give up, that we would continue. And Lord, some of us just need to get vocal and be like Bartimaeus, who cried out to you, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you got, he got your attention. I pray today that some of us would not be just content praying silently, but Lord, would look to the examples in your word of people who got vocal and cried out and called out to you. So Lord, as we pray today, God, I meet your people, provide for your people, pour your spirit upon these people. Let them know that you're near. Let them know that that you love them. You have a plan for their life. Give them strength as they come. He said, those who wait upon the Lord, God, will renew their strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can come as the worship team prays.